eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time to crack the Frosties. It's a post-game party. Game 7 post-game edition of Spits and Suds. Here we go, people. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, D Magazine, Shap Shocks, Shap Shots. I'm so excited. The book is called We Win Here. He's Sean Shapiro. Together we celebrate tonight. We will take your feedback later on. Mr. Shapiro, how are you feeling? That was uh that was a fun hockey game. Yes. We, like you you talk about the you talk about game sevens, right? And you talk about this is why you play the game, all those and every other cliche you can rip out right now, right? But you know what? It was just fun. That was a fun hockey game. And it was uh I I it was one of those games where I know it was a two one final, but it didn't feel like a two one game. If you're if you're watching if, if you if you watch that game and obviously had a little bit of the drama at the end because of when when would Dallas score was kind of the, but it was never a question of if Dallas would score or if they would win. It was more of a question of how would they win? Like that's what this game felt like. And that's the way you want your team to win a game seven of the playoffs. And that yeah. that's that's fun right there. So had a couple people over to watch the game, Sean, and with 30 plus seconds left. Um, I said, there's no way they're scoring two goals. This thing's over. Yep. yep. <laughs> and when they scored that first goal, everyone in the room looked at me and I said, I have nothing to do with this. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> stuff, that stuff happens, you know, everything madness around the net. Um, so it was just, you know, uh, let's, all right, let's start from the beginning. Some lineup yep. changes, uh, a lineup change that we expected. Yanni Hockenpah out, Colin Miller in. Um, a little surprise, De- Delandria with the scratch, Glenn Denning in, um, and Kivi Ranta uh, played tonight. So wanted to get your thoughts initially about the lineup changes. Well, first off, on the on Hockenpah, it's, I thought it was uh, <laughs> it's kind of not sneaky, but like I don't know if I don't know how hurt Hockenpah is. Yeah. But the they announced literally after warmups ends that he's a lower body injury, and so I, I don't know if they're protecting his ego or if they're finding a loophole. So post game and going into the next game, that 
the coaching staff always has the uh, has the out of like, hey, he was hurt. It wasn't a coaching decision when it really <laughs> it was. It's hard for me to believe that it wasn't a coaching decision. Um, the uh, other one, Glenn Denning, I kind of I I, I want to give myself a pat on the back. Yep. I mentioned this after game six where I wouldn't have been surprised if uh, he was back in tonight, uh, just with the veteran stuff and being, and the fact of the matter is with 14, 15 seconds left or whatever, it was a two, one game in the defensive zone. They've got Glenn Denning taking the defensive zone draw. Um, it is, uh, I mean, it was, I'm actually, I was a little surprised Delandrio was the one that would come out. I thought yeah, maybe I like, like I wasn't surprised Glenn Denning came in. I thought maybe Kiviranta would come out or something like that. Uh, but Glenn Denning comes in, he brought things, he helped kind of smooth some of those things out in the faceoff circle where, where Dallas actually needed a little bit of help after game six. And uh, it was, it was the right move. Both of them were the right move. I thought it's not that Miller was great, but Hawken, but overall, Hockenpah needed a night off, whether it's whatever reason you want to say, whether it was for really the injury or coach's decision, whatever, it doesn't matter. Either way, I think Hockenpah needed the night off. Miller came in and stepped in well. And I was going through it and watching this game, Gavin, and to me, the biggest thing about this whole game, and all of the defense is a part of this, obviously, and, and Miller's part of this too, but the fact is, you look at where the shots were and you look at the shot attempts and everything like that. And you look at Dallas's like if you spray chart it and I did, if you look at, if you look at, <laughs> if you, if you look at where Dallas shot and look at the spray chart, you saw the high danger area. You saw getting to what they call the home plate zone. You saw them getting to the crease and Seattle was getting nowhere near there. They were Jake Ottinger got a pretty good save percentage in this game or whatever, but Really, this was all about the defense and how much they just completely stifled Seattle tonight. And that's why I don't think, I'm sure there's definitely some people who are feeling nervous and everything like that, but that's why you're watching this game. You don't feel as nervous about whether this team was going to win because it wasn't like they were getting goalied on one end by... uh they were getting goalied on one end by uh, by Philip Grubauer and then giving up lots of chances on the other end. They were they were locking it down and they were just kind of waiting to finally break through against Grubauer and they eventually did. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I, I like Delandria's energy and I'm you know I mean they had a lot of energy tonight so clearly Pete DeBoer pressed the right buttons. Um, I do like Delandria in there. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, when Foxa took those two draws. Um, I was surprised Glenn Denning was not on those first two draws. And then mm -hmm. after the goal, I was glad to see the center ice face off was Glenn Denning. And then, you know, the right circle, uh, toward the end of the game was Glenn Denning as well. Boy, that was yeah. a scary moment. If that puck, if that puck goes near Eberly, that's a tie game. That, that side of the net was open, but, uh, I thought Jake Ottinger played well. One of the things tonight, Sean, that I liked about Jake Ottinger was, a, we talk about the calmness, but one of the things that might not be brought up was the directions of 
or the direction in which he deflected the puck throughout the night, the quickness as far as making the save and getting it to his defenseman in a swift manner. When the dump-ins happened behind the net, he always hit it to the right side where his defensemen were. So I thought he put his defensemen in really good positions tonight, and he did it quickly. His rebound control was really good, and one thing that Ottinger has really taken a major stride in over the last couple of years is his puck handling. Um, and part of that is a testament to, uh, you give credit to the work he's done with Ben Bishop um, over the past couple of years in puck handling. And that's something where two, two years ago, two seasons ago, that was a weakness for Jake Ottinger. And now it's a strength. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute, but just even you talk about 200 foot plays that lead to goals the goal that sets up the, the rope at Hintz goal. It starts with a smart, simple puck handle by mm-hmm. Jake Ottinger. And that's a play where Jake Ottinger of 18 months ago doesn't make that play. And so he has really, is he the best puck handling goal in the NHL? No, but he has really turned, created it, turned it into an asset as part of his game. And in a, on a night like tonight, when what was the what were the final shots he faced it was he faced 23 shots i would argue that with because of ottinger's puck handling he probably faced four to five less shots because of what he did tonight so um it's huge credit to one of those things where it's the shot totals and obviously it's a year exactly removed from the 64 save game against calgary so he's not the headline maker tonight but his his work as essentially the quote unquote third defenseman back there and helping the defense in their transition needs to be noticed. So at this point in the podcast, before it gets too far, I do want to credit Seattle. Yes. A heck of a run for a second year expansion team. What they did in the first period alone, 13 block shots. Um, they were laying out the body, putting everything on the line. They kept coming. I mean, we saw what they did with 30-plus seconds left, almost tying the game. Uh, just uh, Dave Haxtall, his staff, um, just just the team. I mean, to take out the defending Stanley Cup champions. And, and, and you know what? They played really hard. They played physical. But, you know, I mean, am I right saying, Sean, they played clean? Um, and you know, I don't think other teams are dirty necessarily, but I think the, you know, the way they checked was to take the man off the puck. And I thought they did a really good job of that. Um, that third line once again, showed Yanni Gord, how special he's become as an NHL or so I just wanted to give them credit because they gave the stars all they could handle. And, uh, it was just a terrific showing from this expansion team. It was. And I mean, they, um, I know Dallas had a lot, had the shot opportunities, the shot quality was so much better for Dallas tonight. But I think one of the reasons Seattle was still in this game and was a shot away from tying it was in the first period. Look at that penalty kill. Look at the way they sacrificed the body. Look at the way that. I think they blocked like nine or 10 shots on the, on the penalty kill. Um, the, 
the way they get in on the forecheck, the way they play, like this Kraken team was built. And I talked to someone the other day about how the Kraken were essentially built for the playoffs. They were a team that, and part of that was by necessity. They don't have the superstars. Matty Beneers may get there, but they don't really have the superstars. So they had to build a team this way and full credit to what they did and how they, uh, and how they came together that way. It's, it's a team that's going to have an impact on this league for a long time. It's a great market. Um, I mean, it's, there is, you talk about year two and the long-term build and where they're going. Like it's, you got to be excited about if you're, if you're a hockey fan and I know it's hard to, it, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to be, uh, like, you don't you, like, you want to just celebrate Dallas right now, but as a hockey fan, it, it's exciting to see where Seattle is, is what Seattle brings to the league going to the future. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So the stars hit a couple of pipes in the first period. And uh, just one of those games where it was up and down. I mean, no score in the first period, but boy, was it exciting. Thought the crowd was into it at times. Packed barn at the AAC. Um, so we go to the second period. Two penalties in the game. I, I guess if it's a game seven, um, they're not going to call a lot. I actually didn't see a lot that was missed. There was one that I thought 13 minute mark. I thought clearly that was interference on Dodonoff as he's making his way down, but no call there. But uh, both teams really didn't get a chance to establish their uh, power play. Uh, so I thought it was fascinating. You know, refs just kind of let them play. But honestly, Sean, there really wasn't any kind of like dust-ups, extracurricular activities. It was a really clean game. Yeah, 100%. Really clean game. It was complete focus on the hockey if you want to put it that way um it's uh i i really liked the way dallas just focused on things that way because i think they kind of got pulled out of it a little bit the past couple games i think they they came into tonight and they played hockey they didn't overly think about things and to the stars credit that's 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 important um i really liked how um I liked how each line really came with a purpose tonight for Dallas. That's something that I think you noticed a lot of. Um, there was uh, up until the, and up until the third period when they did start to play to the score a little bit, the first two periods, they didn't get really disgruntled or they didn't get upset when, when they weren't finishing. And um, it was a good clean hockey. Game. It yeah. really was. So, yeah, absolutely. So, the other thing that I started to see in the second period, I don't know if you noticed it, but I started to see the ice opening up, which opened up chances mm -hmm. for the stars. Yeah. And that's kind of a continuum that we've uh, constantly discussed where open ice was favoring the stars in this series. So Grubauer was coming up big stars had a lot of chances. Uh, I thought they did a good job as far as getting in front of Grubauer. Um, and he made some terrific saves. The stars kept trying to go over that right shoulder of Grubauer throughout the night. You saw that several times. Sagan had a good chance. Uh, ben had a good chance. Uh, they finally break through, and actually both goals were on clears. The anticipation of Rupe Hints with where that puck was going and the hustle of Rupe Hints to take it away from Alexiak. 
I think the stars caught a break. That puck knuckled, so to speak. It just stopped. And maybe it was the ice surface at that point. But at the same time, I mean, those breaks are going to happen. Alexiak didn't slap at the puck, just tried to carry it. Uh, taken off the stick by Hans, breakaway. And where does he go? He goes over that right shoulder of Grubauer to make it one to nothing. Just a terrific shot on a breakaway. You know what I love about him is just the speed on these breakaways makes it really tough for Grubauer or any goalie for that matter um, to stop because they don't know where the puck's going. So Rupe Hintz moving up on the list as far as goals in this playoff, just an impressive playoff run from Rupe. An unfortunate bounce that Alexia can't handle it cleanly, but to give credit because you create your own luck, right? Yep. Play comes in. Good little pass by Ottinger to Essa Lindell. And Essa Lindell did something that I really wish Essa Lindell would do more often. Um, I think it's part of, I think Essa has that in his arsenal. Um, but I don't think he uses the high flip enough. Um, I think it's something that, depending on which coaching staff he's worked with in Dallas, sometimes he was more of a high flipper than others. And so, he at one point Esselindell iced the puck more than any other player in the league. And he that's not the case anymore, but he, at one point that was the case. And there's times where he's under pressure. And I think that Lindell should better utilize the high flip like he used tonight. Yeah. It's a play where even if Alexiak handles that cleanly, it's not the end of the world. It's you're still regrouping and going and everything like that. And so Credit to, as as of right now, as we're recording this, I'm going to re refresh the game sheet right now because I'm still surprised that Lindell and Ottinger didn't get assists on that play. I know technically Alexiak touched the puck and everything like that, but if we're going to give assists when a guy shoots a puck and it goes off a goalie's pad, and like like to me, like I felt like I felt like Lindell and Ottinger should have gotten points on the play. Um, it's Credit on the high flip. Um, the minute that Alexiak misplayed it and Hintz is barreling down on him, he's done. And you mentioned it's uh, it was it was almost like it almost felt like kind of a reverse psychology thing tonight on Grubauer with the uh, with he was really good with the glove tonight. And typically, the scouting report on Philip Grubauer is to shoot high glove. Um, there was a couple moments tonight where Grubauer made a couple of really nice glove saves. He had that on lockdown and you look at the play and like, I went back and freeze it and everything like that. And I don't know whether it's what's coincidence. Once causation is always a fun thing. Right. But the, yeah. but, but hence, instead of going high glove, like the stars had been in those situations goes back against the grain and you see that extra space above the right elbow on the stick side. And it's, and it works really well. And um, it was the type of play that you kind of needed to beat Grubauer on the way he was playing. And, but man, like rope, hand, like I, I actually got really annoyed now, Gavin, like I understand Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are two MVP winners, but like, I, I kept getting very annoyed when on the broadcast, they're like, Oh, he's right up there with the Edmonton Oilers guys. Like, <laughs> he's, he's like he's he's been one of the best players in the playoffs yes for two rounds the other guys got eliminated last night like 
there's no peer. He doesn't have peers right now. Like that's like I was I I I kept hearing that where it's like Rope Hans is right up there with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Like, like I I get that, but that's what you say if you're trying to talk to someone who has not paid any attention at all. If you're broadcasting this series, like you don't need the modifier of where Rope Hintz has been. He's been that good. Like he's yeah. he's the he's the, like right now he's the con Smythe favorite. Like just honestly, like yeah, he went through the four teams. He's the con Smythe favorite, and it's 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 he's he's getting he's becoming the. Uh, it's funny because obviously Barkov is still in the playoffs, right? But like we always talk about Sasha Barkov as being the uh, as the most underrated player in the league. Everyone mm-hmm. always, every, every votes for him, even though he's really one of the better forwards in the league. Like we have we have that same case now with with hints is like the rest of the world is finally paying attention, but the broadcast isn't sometimes. And that just annoys me to a bit. So off the soapbox, get us back on track. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I asked several people and I just said, listen, I try to take like an objective view, but I just felt as though the Seattle storylines controlled the narrative of the TV broadcast on ESPN. I didn't yeah. see it as much on uh, TNT, but I did feel as though that was the case. Um, so, you know, I just think with hints, I think a lot of us knew that this was here. I think the question, and you and I had talked about this prior, was just the health. And he stayed healthy. Yep. And that's the key with Rope Hints. And I'm I'm glad, you know, I mean, there were different injuries, but he just couldn't get on the ice. And now he's been on the ice on a consistent basis. And uh man, what a terrific goal. So the stars go up one to nothing. And you know, back and forth play, open ice, um, once again, not really a, a physical game, no penalties. And then we come to another, uh, basically, you know, dump out of the zone. But Wyatt Johnston very smartly gets the, the head start. I think kind of, I mean, tough to criticize a lot of what Seattle did, but I don't know how a Seattle allowed Wyatt Johnston to get past them, but also not only allow him to get past him, but then allow Wyatt Johnson to curl in and do what he did, which was a terrific roof job up top over Grubauer, hit him in the shoulder that was on the glove side and then hit his shoulder and went in. And just a terrific, terrific play from the skilled 20-year-old or 20-year-old, and that made it two to nothing. Wanted to get your thoughts on that play. Once again, very surprised that Seattle allowed that. Yeah, I really would have liked to see um, what's the view in football they call it's the all twenty two, right? Yeah. Or like the like I, that. That's one of those where I would have loved to um, have the uh, kind of have have the uh, have the look had that view to kind of see when that route started because we talk all the time about you and I've talked all the time about Johnston's route running basically. And this would have been a really good way to kind of distill it and see how it ran. Um, because watching the game and I rolled it back a couple times, you can see um, when Dadanov goes into the corner and he goes to pick up the, the puck, you can see him check over his shoulder and scan the ice and you can see the whole play. And um, Johnson is already out of the screen at that point. And so I would love the full rink angle to see where Johnston is when Dadanov does that 
shoulder check. I would I would love to see that because I would love to be able to sync that up to get an idea of exactly how in tune they were. Because Dadunov does that, then takes about five or six strides, and then then throws the the, the basically the hard dump pass all the way down, and and Johnston picks it up. I would love to be able to sync that up and, and get a good look at that. Um, and hopefully, and maybe over the maybe. I'll get a better angle I can dig up over the next couple of days, but we're obviously recording this right after the, the sh- right after the game ends, and I don't have a full production team uh, on board right now for this soon, show. Sean, soon, 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 soon. Uh, so I would have, I would love to see that. Um, that being said, let's talk about the finish itself because that is an all-world, all-world finish by Wyatt Johnson. He picks the puck up off the boards, he comes in. Grubauer, he catches Grubauer in a weird no man's land where Grubauer kind of loads up against the post and at the same time is trying to think about the pass at the same, the him to cut across at the same time. And, and Johnston trusts his backhand and does it. It's that's an all world, like that's an all world finish. That's an all world goal. I mean, this, you talk about the storylines, the kids celebrating his birthday, like, I guess do we still call him a kid? He's twenty. I don't know what the technical yeah. term. He's no longer no longer a teenager. But I mean, it's it's kind of fitting, right? Like how one storyline jumps into the next, right? Why Johnston is the one who scored this goal, but Dadunov has the assist on this, and he's going to be the guy. And we'll see. He'll get his his revenge chance against Vegas later this week. So it all puts it all ties it all together really nicely. It's actually going too fast, Sean, because. I remember talking about 18-year-old Wyatt Johnston. Now all of a yes. sudden he's 19, and then he has a birthday 20. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, this guy's going quick. It's going to yeah. be 21 before we know it. Pavelski said after the game on TV that uh, they had a nice celebration for his 20th birthday. And um, he did say, which I think is so cool, he's like, when Wyatt scores, it's just extra special. So clearly the bond that has been developed with that family is just awesome. So it's, it's a terrific story. And this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We do need to talk about Joe Pavelski, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan. I mean, these are veterans that have been in this position before. And they're finally getting another crack at it. Um, And, you know, it's good to see. But obviously the focus is going to be on Pavelski, who's been around the longest, never being able to win a Stanley Cup yet. And this appears as though this is his best chance in a while. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I mean, he's signed for next year already, but like every year is Joe Pavelski at the point in his career where every year is the best chance because you never know at some point father time will catch up to him. He gets um, eight goals this series, right? Like I know he didn't score tonight, but like yeah. eight goals this series um, after not playing basically beyond uh, the first half of the first game against Minnesota. I mean, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of Joe Pavelski storylines going into this conference final and everything like that. And honestly, it's probably one of the best things for the stars because if there is anyone well equipped to handle the hoopla and the attention of it, it's Joe Pavelski. Like, you like, sometimes you, sometimes you think about like, are, are there moments where something's too, or like, you don't want the distraction or, or whatever, right? Like, I think there's something really nice about having one of the biggest storylines being someone who can handle that moment because it allows it to not be a sideshow any other way. Like all of the stars stories, right. Are guys who I don't, I'm not worried about them handling the moment. It's there'll be a lot of stories about Pete DeBoer versus Vegas. You know what? Pete's been fired and hired before. I'm not really worried about that. Joe Pavelski his last best chance to win the cup. Joe's heard that before. He heard that all the time in 2020 when they were there in the bubble. I, I think it's the stars are well equipped for this. Um, they've been in this spot. The stars have a group that have been in this spot. And I think it's amazing that we've gotten this far in the podcast and we haven't talked about them. And it's just because it's how time has changed and evolved. But you know who. Remember the the lasting image from that 2020 bubble. Uh, great work by Jeff Totes in the video department for the stars at the time where Jamie Ben just being absolutely heartbroken in the yep. locker room. And Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan are somehow, we've made it, how far are we into that? We're 30 minutes, almost 30 minutes in this podcast and we haven't talked about Jamie and Tyler, Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan until this point. Like there's so many, just the amount of storylines that are really presenting themselves and come together that don't really single out one individual player. I think it's just a credit to how well this team is built. I hope all of that made sense. I really, no, it did. It, it did. <laughs> and honestly, I thought both of them, you know, I thought both of them could have had a goal tonight. I mean, yeah. Jamie clearly on that cross check, I think he would have um, knocked that puck in. But uh, I guess if there's a good cross check, that was an excellent yep, cross yep, check. Yep, yep, I yep. probably uh, saved a goal. Um, okay, so you mentioned DeBoer and you mentioned Pavelski. Here's one for you: over under on the TV bringing up the Joe Pavelski concussion versus Vegas yeah. of the Cody Eakin hit in 2019, which kind of vaulted Vegas over San Jose. So, I mean, it'll definitely come up in game one. One yes. thing on a TV perspective I am curious about, because I think something that we've kind of lacked that has kind of led to a natural scatterbrainedness of broadcasts is right now, first two rounds, it's been like, like you go through like, it's been like four different broadcast teams for each round, right? Where it's been yeah. like, you had like you switched from TNT to ESPN. You had, I think, hopefully, and I'm my fingers crossed, and maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I'm hoping that 
by having one broadcast team, ESPN's quote-unquote A-team on this, for the entire series, the narratives will actually flow with the series and it won't be retelling of some of the same things over and over again. So obviously the Joe Pavelski cross-checked by Cody Eakin and the concussion, that will definitely come up in game one. Hopefully we don't hear about it being presented as new information in game two. That's my want and that's my hope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as Sean, as... Uh, you pointed out, and I, I did want to mention his name. Uh, you pointed out that the second best defenseman on the ice was Thomas Harley. Yes. I, and I want to say first, Miro Heiskanen played terrific tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, boy, was he controlling, calmness. Um, I love, you know, I thought the Stars had a tendency because they were they wanted to get out of their zone so hard that I thought for a while they kind of got into the dump and chase cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Miro a couple of times brought it into the zone and stayed deep. And I thought that was a real key to controlling the puck, allowing the Stars to make a line change. And then the passing out of the zone from Thomas Harley, like he'd been in the NHL for six, seven years was so impressive. I mean, the if if what we're seeing is the future from Thomas Harley, I am so excited because the Stars have two young puck-moving defensemen that, you know, have both offensive and defensive skills. I thought Harley played pretty well defensively tonight as well. So that's another name to throw out there, you know, how well defensively both of those guys played. Yeah, I mean, Harley was Harley was good tonight. He was uh, he was obviously he we've talked about him and where his growth is going and everything like that. But um, tonight was a night where he didn't need to stand out offensively, but he also stood out in the right ways where everything was so smooth. Everything was so concise. Um, It's uh, like you talk about a pick that is really panning out. And I'll always think uh, it's funny. I'll always remember back to the 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 draft when when they drafted him. It was in Vancouver, and it was Tom Gallardi's father who announced the pick. And it was missed. It was announced as Harley Thomas on the stage. They mispronounced the name and everything. And <laughs> so um, they've been self correcting since day one with him. And so yeah. it's been. Uh, it's uh, things are. Uh, They've come together in a good way. Now, That's so. okay. That's okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. when they went after, after a quick post game, they went to sports center and they were showing the goals and they said, and check out rope hints. Oh boy. <laughs> you know what? It happens. It does, but I, it's also, yeah, I know. I know it's going to take a few, but I'll just say this hockey on ESPN. You could criticize the broadcast and I clearly think TNT is better. However, the fact that you're on ESPN, the fact that you're having highlights leading off Sports Center over the NBA, over Major League Baseball, to me, you're getting a lot of hockey coverage that I think you sorely missed when they went to NBC. Yeah, it is. It is good to be on. It is good to be on the quote unquote worldwide leader. It is as much as as much as it's you can be disappointed with delivery or anything like that what is the sports bar default that is and that's what i always go back to every single sports bar in 
in America is has a television on ESPN. And it's, if they've got two televisions, one's on ESPN two, and and it's so it's uh, it's good. It's better for the league to be on ESPN. It is frustrating that some of the things haven't been taken maybe as seriously as you would have liked where just from a coverage planning and section on that. But um, for lack of a better word, I it's, it's the league is no longer on something called the outdoor life network. Remember when that happened? I <laughs> do remember that. So yes. Like, so let's, 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 it's, you, you take you take necessary evils sometimes with things where you're going. So, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the comments. I tweeted out tonight. Time to celebrate. Comments, questions, frosties, spits mm-hmm. and suds, game seven post pod party. Let's do this. Sean, do you have a frosty with you at this current time? Probably we'll go get one after the after after we finish recording here. I just got the big glass of water right now. So. You know, I know. I'm yeah, da- yeah. I'm disappointed in myself too. Like, you know, I'm in a different part of the house, and I was thinking, yeah. you know, will Sean talk long enough so I can grab a quickie? <laughs> but you know, yeah. your answers have been nice and short tonight. So, um, and by the way, seven o'clock game. I feel like I could go all night. Like this is amazing. But yeah, yeah. We will uh, start taking your questions. Okay and comments and let's start with uh nate spelled n8 that's pretty cool so naderick nr says yes sir and i agree thomas uh mishkel uh that's uh yeah m-i-s-z-k-i-e-l why do i phonetically you know say these and uh give the proper spelling of this because I want you to follow fellow stars fans on Twitter. So that's why I explain their handles as well. What a goal by the youngsters talking about Wyatt Johnson bank off the helmet on purpose. Probably not, but slick hands. Nonetheless, best starts podcast out there. Woohoo boys. Well, I agree with the latter, but that I'm biased. So I will say, was it on purpose? I think it was not necessarily hit him off the helmet, but yeah, when you have the talent of Wyatt Johnston, I'll say, and it happened the other night. I'm trying to think who it was. Was it hints a couple of games ago that roofed one up close against Grubauer? Um, yeah. It, yeah. One of the previous games when you can roof a puck that close to the goalie, I am totally impressed because the curvature of the stick is regulated. We know that, but man, that's amazing. Top shelving that, that close. Yeah. It's a great finish. It's a great finish. We talked about it and it's, it's a great read on the play and everything. Like it's, uh, Johnston's a special, he's a special player and it's going to be, I was thinking about, um, I was talking to Pete DeBoer a couple, about a month ago and uh, we were talking about Wyatt Johnston and uh, I was same time. I was also talking to, it was when the stars were in Detroit and someone from the Windsor star was there and they asked him about uh, Wyatt Johnston and, uh, and Pete kind of uh, 
retorted rather quickly that like, well, you know what? I bet the, uh, I bet the Spitfires would still be in the playoffs if he was still there. So uh, <laughs> to give you an idea of what, what the alternative reality is where Wyatt Johnston, I mean, it's actually, it's almost crazy. It's almost fitting. Like it's like Wyatt Johnston was at the start of this year. We had the whole conversation about the pros and cons of whether yeah. he should be playing junior hockey or not. Never was it a conversation of the pros and cons of Woody. He also had the game winning goal in game six against Minnesota, Gavin. That's two series now where he's had the game winning. He's had the series clinching goal in back to back series as a 19 and now 20 year old. And like it's. uh, I I, I like the another random Wyatt Johnston side fact. I love the fact that he has been because the stars have always been kind of like eerily weird about about numbers. They've always been uh, they've always like you have to be a big you have to you have to be a big name before you're in Dallas to earn a number outside the traditional like uh, quote unquote hockey number. Right. Like Tyler Sagan wears 91 because 19 is retired in Dallas. Um, But outside of that, you have to be kind of a veteran player to have one of those bigger numbers or have one of those odder numbers. And so the fact that Wyatt Johnson has been allowed to wear 53 from the beginning, which is actually his number, I actually like it. It's a very dumb, silly thing, mm-hmm. but I actually, I actually like it because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, ah, well, we'll force him to wear 15 or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, all right. We continue with your comments and questions. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Here's a good one. My neighbor, John, texted, wow, what a game. Looking forward to your podcast. Man, just just come over the house and you can listen to it live. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to John and I uh, really appreciate uh, great neighbor. Great neighbor and uh, just just awesome. Uh, and we have some great uh, in the middle of the street conversations about hockey and other sports. <laughs> All right. So Jason Rosenbaum at Jay Rosenbaum writes to us, why was Otter the first star, not Wyatt Johnston? Jake deserved to be one of the three stars, but I wouldn't say first. So your thoughts on that, Sean, and also for those at home, explain how the three stars of the game works. Yeah, so every building is different. And um, so tonight, I just pulled up the game sheet. So tonight, uh, Taylor... Taylor Baird from NHL.com, who also is the managing editor over at Defending Big D. She's the one who picked the three stars tonight. And one of the uh, one of the important caveats about the three stars of the game, if you are the one that's selecting them, and I have been in that spot before, you have to make your selection with seven minutes. You have to give your you have to give your answers in with seven minutes remaining in the game. So you give a list with your three stars with seven minutes remaining, and you can make modem you can make modifications. You can. You can be like, hey, here's my three stars if this team comes back or whatever. But basically you're giving a list with seven minutes left. So a lot of the times the three stars of the game in Dallas are really the three stars of the game after 53 minutes. That's just the reality of how the logistics of it work. If something crazy happens, you can ask for a change or something like that. But it's only would really be done on the official score sheet and not announced by, by, by Jeff, by Jeff K the announcer. 
a lot of people have the, and I don't disagree, I, I don't completely disagree with it, but there are, um, there are some people when picking three stars who believe that if a goalie gets a shutout, no matter what, they're the number one star. Um, as someone who as, as, a, as a proud member of the goaltending union, I'm supposed to, I'm nice. supposed to, I'm supposed to defend that ideology to the death. Uh, now I'm not going to, because I think there are times there are caveats to it, but basically to give an idea, I'm assuming, I'm assuming when Taylor, um, Knowing how it works, when Taylor put in the three stars tonight, it was still there was about fifty four minutes left. There's six minutes were left in the game. Ottinger looked like he was gonna have the shutout, and hence is uh, it was still a two nothing game at that point, and and it was kind of a total team effort right there. It's not like um, I thought. I mean, Johnston was good, but it was a goal. It's not like there was. It's not like you could go and say he was head and shoulders above everyone else in every facet of the game. So I don't mind it. Um, I just think it was one of those nights where it was a complete team win and the three stars are kind of trying some are, are effectively trying to isolate a team win into something larger. Like I would have put, I personally probably would have tried to find a way to get Miro Heshkin into this because I thought the way he controlled the game agreed um, for more than 30 something minutes he was, but, the three star system is a bit flawed. Um, but in Dallas, they at least put people's name on it. Like people get to pick and, and media actually, there's other places where the three stars will come out and it'll be like, Oh, as picked by the media. And I hate to tell everyone this, but in some places it's not actually picked by the media. It's picked by the media relations for a respective team. And it becomes a marketing tool. And that's where three stars get very weird. So at least in Dallas, it's still a media independent media member picking the three stars. So we could be happy about that. <laughs> so folks, that is why Sean Shapiro is my co-host because you guys are getting inside information about how things work. The other reason I love Sean Shapiro is because that answer gave me enough time to do this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Cracking the celebration frosty, baby. It's spits and suds celebration edition game seven post pod of spits and suds so dylan morland at dylan underscore m underscore 10 asks did you find bjorkstan bjorkstrand not celebrating the goal with 18 seconds left odd maybe not a celebration but at least a let's go or one more rather than seemingly conceding defeat all right so that's a really interesting question dylan thank you so much for asking that I think he's a pro, and I think a lot of times in that situation, you know you have to get one more. There's a limited time, so I think you limit the celebration. Uh, am I right on that, Sean? I just think it's one of yeah. those things where it's like, all right, let's go, but I just don't. I don't think it's the right time necessarily to celebrate. You know, hug each other. Hey, here we go, and everything like that. I, I just. You know I, mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's the equivalent of, it's the equivalent of, it's the equivalent of scoring the touchdown and you're down by, you're down by 14 scoring the touchdown with three seconds left. And now you got to get the onside kick and the, like, you know, it's like, you may give a fist pump and everything like that, but at the end of the day, you're hoping and praying for something. And 
I don't think it's, I don't have any issue with the reaction. I just, I think it's, it's one of those where your full focus at that point is not even about the goal itself. It's getting to the bench and regrouping and hoping that you can pull off a miracle in the next 18 seconds. That's really, I think where the whole focus becomes. And and once again, I mean, said so much about that Seattle team, you notice when time is running down that third lines on the ice. I mean, they were just so effective this series. Okay. uh, At Tyler. Hey, two, three, two, three, Tyler Haywood, Dallas stars being one of the top teams this year. Why did ESPN say it was a surprise for them to be in the semis? Did they, I mean, did they say that? I, I didn't, yeah. I miss, I, I, I may have, I, I may have missed ESPN saying that. Um, I mean, Seattle being this far would have been a surprise as yeah. a, as a, as a, as, as, as a wild card. Um, was it, I do, so I don't, I, I do, I mean, I've had my commentary on ESPN's broadcasting, so I do want to be fair. I, I don't, I don't have the spot where, I know people who picked Dallas to win the whole thing. Like I picked Dallas to win the whole thing going to this year. I know people from ESPN. So I want to be, I want to make sure I have the proper context on that one before jumping on that, because Dallas being in this spot is not surprising. This is a team that was led the central for the entire season. And they were them and them and Vegas are the two best teams from regular season left. So yeah, that's not surprising surprising to me so i i want to be fair to espn on this one where um if uh if they said that if someone said that that may have been one analyst's opinion or whatever but um i i will also say then just with a quick just aside of like it was obviously the espn coverage did really buy heavily into the seattle vibe of this year where there was definitely um, some love for that. And, uh, I think there was some bias shown on that front this series. Cause I think Seattle really was the darling that, that ESPN wanted to push a little bit more. And that's, that's not that it's okay, but I think that's what happened. And, um, but to say, to say that they were surprised Dallas made it, maybe that was one analyst's opinion or something like that. But, I don't think overall that was the feeling I got. I think it was more so of a, there was more of a, this Seattle story is amazing. Can we bottle it up? And Oh heck, we've also got the Western conference final coming up. We can sell the two newest franchises in the league. Mm -hmm. And with an ES with being on ESPN, the next round and the stars stole that from them. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll fully admit, uh, if you asked me to begin the season that they'd be in the conference finals, I'd be a little surprised. Um, but the stars finished higher than I thought they would. And I give mm-hmm. them a ton of credit. Um, I had them fighting for the third spot or a wild card. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that was just my prediction. And, yep. uh, I, you know, I'm happy, um, that I was off on that and uh, I'm happy they're in the conference finals. So Rupert at Odysseus 1491 says, why does Pete DeBoer always have success in his first season with a new team as head coach? That really is a fascinating question. I have to say your questions tonight are amazing. And that is an interesting one. 
it just seems as though the buy-in, it seems the first year with all of his teams is, is pretty high up there, Sean. He also plays a fun style. Like that's the other thing too, right? Where um, he has like what his first year, I mean, he started in, in Florida and never made the playoffs in Florida, but um, reached the finals in his first year in New Jersey, reached the finals in his first year in San Jose, reached the Western conference finals in his first year in Vegas. Like he plays a style that's fun for guys to buy into. Um, so I, uh, maybe, maybe that's something what it has to do, or maybe it's a bit of, I don't know, coincidence. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, he's, he's been for someone who has, uh, I think players like playing for him. And I think they like what he brings to a team. And um, I think then you combine that with a bit of basically you combine with a bit of luck and that's, that's how you get, that's how you get, that's how you get what gets, get what has happened. Um, now I do think there is something to be said about his T's now seven and zero in game sevens. And there is something about making adjustments as a coach and being willing to make a tough decision of taking out a tie to Landria and putting in Luke Lindenning and scratching a Yanni Hockenpah, whether it was for healthy or injury related, who really cares? I, I think we have seen some coaches in stars history that haven't been able to adjust with the season on the line. And I think that's something that uh, DeBoer deserves a lot of credit for. And that's why he's seven and zero in game sevens in his career. So let, let me ask when your, your experience in the locker room, when players are scratched, how do they celebrate with the rest of the team? Because the players come in, they're all in uniforms so that the scratch players are just kind of standing on the outside. I mean, they're in the locker room, but they're standing on the outside. Um, I mean, you, you see like the people will see the videos, right? Where the, uh, like the, the guys who are scratched are typically, they're typically like by the entrance to the locker room, typically in their suits still and everything like that. And that's, that's kind of like, you'll see it when they, when the guys, so what would have happened tonight? Stars one, they came off the ice, right? They walked off the ice of the AAC, did through that little tunnel, took a slight right, went down the hallway, you know, through, through the big, through the big doors into the locker room area, through a little hallway. And all the guys who are healthy scratches or even injury scratches, whatever are there. And you're, you're giving like fist bumps as they go through to the locker room and everything like that. And then they would have gone into the locker room and they would have, uh, they would, Jamie Ben would have said something probably. And Jamie Ben or maybe Joe Pavelski would have said something. And the players that were scratched would have been kind of on the periphery of the room at that point. And then guys would have started getting changed and they would have quickly cleared out before any media members showed up. So that's, that's kind of how that's, that's kind of the, the play-by-play of how it goes for for a home game in particular. I like it. I like it. We pull back the curtain here on Spits and Suds. T. Jetman, the later the game got, the tighter the sphincter got. Thank you so (laughs) much, T. Jetman. And then with the final horn, sweet release, hashtag playoff fart. Hey, you know, there you go. At Brian Cauley asks... How good was De- how good has DeBoer been in the playoffs? His calm presence, patience, and pulling the trigger when necessary has been playing chess when others playing checkers. Uh, you just mentioned it, Sean. I think the moves that he's made. 
I go back to even prior to the season to have the sit down with Jamie Ben and tell your captain, your star that you're going to move to the third line. Um, that's pre we knew anything about Wyatt Johnston. That's pre the acquisition of Dodonov. So I think to have that conversation, I think he's probably had some tough conversations with this team. So I give Pete DeBoer a lot of credit for this year, and I give him a lot of credit in the playoffs. I, I definitely think he's pushing some quality buttons right now. And as you mentioned, his Game 7 experience speaks for itself. Yeah, I, uh, to, I guess to add one more thing about DeBoer on all of this, I think they're one, one of the things he, he brings as a coach that the Stars have lacked is someone who is more... The Stars' past couple coaches, Rick Bonus, um, Jim Montgomery, Ken Hitchcock... Um, even Lindy Ruff to an extent were more of the big picture motivator types. Like there's different styles of coaching. And I think the, uh, the stars, sometimes you need a coach like that. Sometimes you need a guy who's a little bit more overly maniacal about the X's and O's. Like I remember I talked to Paul Maurice in the middle of the season because it's actually fitting that Florida and Dallas are both still in because Paul Maurice and Pete DeBoer are close, close friends going all the way back to when they were, uh, they coached together for the Detroit junior Red Wings in the, when Pete was working on getting his law degree. And uh, Paul Maurice told me stories about how Pete DeBoer is the guy who he, when he makes a decision, he stands by it and he attacks it and it's not that he won't take differing opinions, but you have to be able to clearly prove him wrong for him to, to delineate from that. And he comes in tactically looking at it that way, where I think some, a lot of recent others, recent stars, head coaches have been more of the, the motivator and more of the story first coach where Pete DeBoer is more of the, I'm going to drive the X's and O's, this is how we're going to do this, and then let the narrative, if, if you can fit narrative into it, great. But otherwise, that's not that important. At DTGAX, Daniel Griffin asked, do you plan a spot start for Wedgwood in next round? Otter has <laughs> played a lot of games. I know, I know. Does it make sense to keep him fresher and not be reactive to a poor start? And Daniel, I love, okay, I love our listeners, but you don't start Scott Wedgwood. You, no. you don't, you don't start, you, you start Jake Ottinger is, is starting every game. You don't start Scott. Wedgwood. Yeah. And, and you know, Daniel, for reference, you wouldn't do that with any, any team. I, I understand what you're saying. As far as during the regular season, you are seeing backup goalies certainly take on more of a load compared to what it used to be. But yeah, you, 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 you got to go with Ottinger. You, you are a team with a, no, a clear number one and a number two. If it was a team with a 1A and a 1B, okay, that's that's a different setup. And that would have been like that's what the Minnesota Wild were, right? The Minnesota Wild, yep. we are from, from round one, we saw a pretty good example of how that can backfire, right? Where, um, 
Minnesota went Philip Gustafson in game one of that series. In game two, they went Mark Andre Fleury, and he got absolutely shelled. And the uh, and the stars uh, and, and and it really was a who knows if how things may have been differently if they had stuck with the hot hand. So I uh, Scott Wedgwood is a fine backup goalie, but he's not playing in a playoff game unless disastrous things have happened. Uh, Green Bay of Texas at Green Bay of Texas. Who would you start at defense against Vegas, Miller or Hockenpah? It will be interesting to see if Hockenpah re-enters the lineup on Friday night. Yeah, I, I do wonder, um, well, because they won't have the, I mean, maybe they do, who knows what the injury is, but like Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's you have four, what, four day break now before the next one. Yeah. Uh, like I, uh, It'll be interesting to see how they how they how they play it because like, I'm actually surprised, Sean. I thought that I thought they'd start the series on Thursday. I thought you'd go East starting on Wednesday and then you'd go Thursday. So the extra day, well, I'll take it. Well, that was, I mean, predetermined, right? Yeah. So what happened with that was the um, because ESPN took the uh, because because ESPN took the Western Conference Final. So we actually, so you you want to talk about scheduling. This is actually, so ESPN by choice took the Western conference final this year, um, which means when Turner got the Eastern final and Turner also has the Eastern conference NBA final. And there was already a TNT, actually Miami game, Miami heat, uh, Boston Celtics game Wednesday night. So the, there could not, the Eastern final couldn't start on Wednesday. Um, so if there was going to be a series to start on Wednesday, it would have been the West. And so they weren't going, but they weren't going to have either Dallas or Seattle turn around and play less than two day play, play on Wednesday after playing Monday. So this is a nature where if the decision had been flipped and ESPN had hypothetically taken the Eastern final and they have the first choice, if they had, if they had hypothetically taken that, we probably would have saw seen the Eastern final start on Wednesday. Um, but then we would have had very frustrating sports world reality where the Miami heat and the Florida Panthers have been playing at the exact same time. So the, the TV decision on this actually set up the longer break and, uh, it's for the better, actually, in this. Yeah, case, so. no, definitely, definitely take it. All right, let's go to see money. R O F L. LFG explanation point. What a game started fast, physical, getting shots on goal. Incredible. Put an emoji in there and I can't see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's a it, wow. It's an it's an otter. That's super cool. Incredible otter and kept that going the entire game. Let's go stars. So thank you for supporting Spits and Suds. Uh, Simone, really appreciate it. Court says no question. Just cheers, boys. What a win. Court, thank you so much for the cheers, and we totally agree with you. What a win. Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom says, sleep, Spitzy. I'm going to sleep. Some of us have adulting to do, LOL. Hey, I have a radio hit at 7, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm rolling, baby. If I could, if I, if, if a playoff beard looked good on me, like if I could be Jumbo Joe Thornton right now, I would have a playoff beard, but it's basically patchwork. So I, you know what? I might have to get like a fake beard 
and, and show up on one of these podcasts and surprise you, Sean. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, plenty of time to sleep. And uh, yeah, we can kind of uh, rejuvenate before uh, Friday night. All right. At MB Tendy. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Spits and Suds. Super stoked about our second uh, Western Conference Finals in three years. What a textbook game by the Stars. Safe to say the Stanley Cup is there for the taking. Seems like you can make an argument for all four teams. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All four teams are playing at a high level right now. Um, while I think it's not what people intended. Uh, I think if you're a hockey fan, both the Western Conference and Eastern Conference is going to be some real, real exciting hockey. All right. October's very own. Uh, let me get his Twitter handle at Joe underscore Martinez 88. What problems will the Knights be for the stars and what advantages will the stars have? That's a great question. I think Sean and I will do a, a yeah. stars Knights preview, but uh, initial thoughts on that, Sean. Yeah, it's uh I mean, Vegas, Vegas is similar to Seattle and uh, the uh, is similar to Seattle, but they have the uh, they have instead of not having a Jack Eichel, they have a Jack Eichel. See, that's that's one of the biggest things where Vegas stylistically, schematically, they will come at you. They will come in waves. They will come with pressure. They will forecheck hard. But unlike Seattle, they have big name superstar players. They're built very similar to the Stars. They, the two teams, will play a very similar style. It's going to be fun. Just, it's going to be a lot of fun. The biggest thing, the biggest, uh, honestly, the biggest, and, we'll, and I want, I don't want to go over everything right now because we'll have, we'll definitely do a preview later this week, with especially with it not being till Friday, but. The biggest, the two biggest question marks for Dallas, honestly, are the you can't have you can't go through another round without your leading scorer from the regular season not scoring a single goal in Jason Robertson. And when it comes to goaltending, the Golden Knights have dealt with injuries and. I would take Jake Ottinger head to head against any of the goalies Vegas has. And so those, those are the two big things that, and we will talk way more about this later in the week, but it's, it's going to be a fun series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Saltzman, who's a Winnipeg Jets fan says Mazel Tov. Thank you, David. Really appreciate that. Uh, Rampage at Q loves blink 182. What a game. Absolutely. Tonight's game was a lot of fun to watch. Even if it was, even if it was disappointing in defeat, uh, it was a terrific game to watch. Uh, exciting throughout. At Allison Taylor 32, how much of the changes between games six to seven, one to two, three to four is coaching adjustments versus players just showing up after a defeat? Um, I think it's a combination of uh, both. It's pushing the right buttons. And at the same time, I think it's the, the vets in the room kind of charging everyone up and, um, you know, people that have been there before really stepping up. What's your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I, I think like I remember when I talked a little bit earlier about how I think Pete DeBoer is more of the tactical coach than the emotional coach. And I think there's stars when you make a, an adjustment from game to game, part of it's schematic, part of it's emotional. And I think with this stars team, I think the 
schematic tactical change falls on Pete DeBoer and Steve Spot and uh, the uh, and it's while the uh, kind of emotional we play for each other drive comes from Jamie Ben, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan. So I think it's it's kind of a, a mesh of the two together. Um, it's obviously not being completely in those internal conversations and obviously knowing knowing Jamie and, and, and Jamie Ben's uh, re- how he interacts with the media. We'll never know exactly what Jamie Ben says, but I think a lot of it goes to him as well. So, yep. Hey, Logan's been such a supporter of us. Uh, Spits and suds at Logan underscore Onyx Miller Lindell pair needs to stay. It was very good. And then air con alt country and beyond writes. How do you think Colin Miller performed tonight? Would you keep him uh, in going forward? So it is an interesting thing. I guess I don't know how you're right, Sean. I don't know how banged up Hawk and Paw is, yeah. but um, you know, I mean, I did see a couple mistakes by Miller out there, but and a big but. One of the main scoring chances, even though the stars didn't score, was started with a Colin Miller shot from the point. And I think that that's what he brings to the table. I mean, I don't think he's bad defensively, but I do like his offensive skill set, especially from the point. Yeah. And I mean, you also talk about storylines and things like that. I mean, Colin Miller's a former Vegas player too. He spent some time yep. there and figured. And so um, I, I really, you, you need to know, I mean, if Hockenpah is hurt, I think it's proper asset management to keep playing Miller. Um, and I still think based off performance, you still play Miller in game one. I also think one of the great things about this stars team has been, their willingness to adjust the lineup and make changes and not only make changes based off a win or a loss. And I think the moral of the story, whether it's injury or performance wise, you will need Yanni Hockenpah again, whether that's Friday in game one or game three or whenever it is, you will need Yanni Hockenpah again and you will need Colin Miller again as well. So I think it's, I think for this game, for game one against Vegas, I need to know more about that injury before I can make a fair assessment of what you actually do for Friday night. What about Joel Hanley? Do they start the series? Or if you're Joel Hanley, you know you're coming in at some point. I have a hard time taking him. I think him and Harley have been really good together. Um, They don't play. I mean, their minutes are very are, are, are limited, right? Like it's uh, they're playing 12, 13 minutes a night or whatever. Um, and Miro Heiskanen is, is eating up even more minutes. Um, so I could see you putting hand. I could see, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I would at least be open to the discussion of if Hockenpah is healthy, I would be open to the discussion of scratching Hanley and seeing maybe a Miller Harley pairing and just playing around with some things. But I also, I also know that with, with four days between games, you're going to, you could roll Miro Hishkin out for 38 minutes on Friday night. Like Mm -hmm. he's like, he's like, he's someone who's going to have a lot of like, so, um, 
I think you kind of stick with this group right now. Like I'm, I'm yeah. talking myself into it. Now ask me again when we record a series preview and after we know a little bit more, but right now I'm sticking with this group. It's kind of like the Spittle Shapiro pairing <laughs> as opposed to the Spittle Ludwig pairing, you yeah. know? <laughs> yep. Uh, I tried to get, by the way, I, I'm trying to get Ludwig to show up to one of these posts. You know, even if he's about 10 beers in, I think it'd be great. I mean, we'd go uh, off in directions that have nothing to do with the game, but I think. Yes, yes, we would. (laughs) And Edgar Vargas uh, writes, how's the next matchup looking? And we talked about it a little bit, but I promise you, Edgar, we will have a deep dive stars nights uh, preview. So awesome questions and comments tonight, guys. Uh, this has been terrific. This ride we're on together, spits and suds, post uh, editions. It's awesome. Thank you so much. So Sean and I will be back later this week with a deep dive preview. We'll also get Craig on during the week and talk about his thoughts on tonight's game. And then we look ahead in uh, Vegas. If you are looking for some terrific reading material, the name of the book is called We <laughs> Win Here. It's Sean Shapiro's new book. I mean, why not get it as the stars are on this run and the Texas stars are on the run. So give us a quick, um, before you go, Sean, you know, you told us about the Jack Campbell, why Jason, yeah. uh, while, why Ottinger is here. And it has to do with Jack Campbell. Sorry, back in, back in Texas. Is there another story that has to do with a current Dallas star that you put in the book? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things that we talk about actually connects well a little bit to, even though Wyatt Johnson will never play a game for the Texas stars. It's, uh, there's a pretty good connection here where we go back to Julius Honka. And one of the reasons that I know Julius Honka was a, was a, was a social media phenomenon of should he play, should he, should he play, whatever free honka was the movement on twitter but when you when you distill it all down at the end of the day one of the biggest problems was julius honka found a loophole to play in the ahl as a 19 year old and it's the uh and because of that expectations were went sky high and he uh they kind of broke honka and for that same reason, there was a loophole for Honka to play in the AHL as a 19-year-old, and other players don't have that loophole. And it just it, you see, we see what Wyatt Johnson's doing right now as a 19-year-old in Dallas, and we see the fact that the Stars had to make the tough decision, and they made the right decision, and they had to make the but they made the, had to make the tough decision of do we play Wyatt in Windsor or do we play him in Dallas? There was no in between. The stars this year with Logan Stankoven had to make a similar decision. Do we play him in Kamloops or do we play him in Dallas? And they had to make, it's like, as much as I'm really excited about Wyatt Johnson and Logan Stankoven's future, I don't know if you would have had the success for Wyatt Johnson if you also tried to do it with Logan Stankoven too. Like you can only really like you can only have so many teenagers move into Joe Pavelski's house. Totally. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like you can only have so many teenagers moving into Joe Pavelski's house. So uh essentially there's a great story in there. It's called the Honka Wars, and it's all about how the AHL age limit for 19-year-olds, I would argue it needs to be fixed, and it would definitely create some better uh it would create some better development paths for everyone involved. So name of the book is, as you said, we win here, 
check out the URL. We win here.com directs you right to the spot. You can buy the book. And uh, you know what it's for this organization, Gavin, it's stars are in the Western conference final. The Texas stars are tied one, one in the, uh, in, in the divisional final. And, uh, and now have three games on home ice to try to advance to the Western conference final. The Idaho Steelheads are about to start the East, the Western Conference Final in the ECHL. This is a uh, across the whole uh, family of Stars affiliates. The Stars are the most successful franchise in North America right now. It's wow. it's pretty impressive. Nice. Tom Gallardi must be uh, happy about that. And uh, about those Texas Stars tying the series at one one. Maverick Bork with a big goal in that game. And then you look at the Kamloops Blazers with the previously mentioned Logan Stankoven, who many think will be on the stars next year. Sean and I both feel as though he is the next big one to show up 14 games in the playoffs, 10 goals, 20 assists, 30 points. Granted it's the WHL, a lot of open ice in junior hockey, but 30 points in 14 games, I would say that's a pretty good playoff run for Logan Stankoven. So, and he's still got the Memorial Cup coming up too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and by the way, third in scoring is Matthew Semenoff, also Stars property, mm-hmm. nineteen points, fourteen uh, games played, ten goals, nine assists. So you're right, the future is bright, and uh, I think that's what's so exciting about this Stars playoff run is when I look back at the bubble, Sean, um, I thought it was a good run. Mm-hmm. I really did, but I didn't, I, I, I always question, is it a sustainable run? Yeah. This, I feel after this year, they have sustainability. They have a good core and they have a lot of youngsters coming up through the system. They have some really good vets on the team and they're going to have to make space eventually for some of these young kids. So it's not like the miners are bare for the Dallas stars. So I think that's, what's excited is they made some key trade deadline around that area moves picking up max domi picking up dadanoff dadanoff um without giving up a lot so they didn't give up any of their young prospects so really excited about the future and the other thing that this run that's great about this run and you take nothing away like don't take anything away from that team in the bubble in 2020 it's always going to be a part of starters lore and everything like that but the building tonight, game seven at home, it's yeah. rocking. Like there's something like there's something about actual playoff hockey that you could see in person and not like like obviously it was a weird time in the world. It was COVID and at some point it'll it all it'll all be in the history books and everything like that. But there's uh there's something special about getting this for stars fans to get them something back in person that they missed out on when that team went on that run that they did in 2020 in that bubble in Edmonton. And I I have the audio saved because I was going to, you know, for a May or June podcast, but I'll just say this watched an interview with Connor Bedard five years old (laughs) watching Kevin BX, a score, a massive goal in the playoffs 
and how excited he said he was at five years old. Tonight, there's some youngster because it was early enough that we're able to watch a game seven between the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. And I guarantee we'll wake up with a smile on their face. And that's what creates youth hockey, both girls and boys youth hockey here in DFW. Tonight, to me, was somewhat generational. And that's why I'm so excited that the Stars move on. I, I know I'm making a big deal of it, but listen, folks. When, when these things happen, what's happening in Florida right now, what's happened in Seattle, Vegas, you're building generations of hockey fans, and that's why it's good. That's the other side of why it's good with non-traditional hockey markets having success in the playoffs. It's, I mean, it's, it's huge for the game. It's, I know there's going to be, there's going to be a lot coming out. There's going to be some angry, but hurt, opinions and columns coming out over the next couple of days about how Vegas is the most, is the most Northern team of the remaining four and everything like that. And I'm just going to laugh at them because it's, it's, it's great for the sport. Like we, we look at, I love that Vegas and Dallas uh, game two is a two o'clock start on Sunday. I think I think it's two o'clock, two o'clock or three o'clock or whatever it is. I love that it's an afternoon game for game two of this series. So you get more people to that time for more young kids to watch this series. Like it's uh embrace it, enjoy it. Like yeah. So it's I <laughs> it's 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 good for the sport. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And we end on that. Sean, thank you for your time, and I uh, look forward to doing a deep dive uh, preview uh, later this week. Looking forward to it, Gavin. And as always, everyone, thank you again for listening and sticking with us. And you guys have been one of the biggest reasons we keep doing this because the success yeah. has been fun. to The numbers have been great, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And there's still time to spread the word. We have another series ahead of us that there's a cool podcast that's talking about your Dallas Stars as they move on to the Western Conference Finals. So, please make sure you share today's podcast and, and tell people about it because together we're growing and it's such an awesome feeling. So that's going to do it for Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. We will talk to you soon as the Dallas stars, your Dallas stars advance to the Western conference finals. Enjoy this celebrate. We will talk to you soon on spits and suds.